Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Thank you. So we're talking and continuing to talk about instruction uh, for Christian marriage and relationships um, in Ephesians 5. You know, Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, uh, we did part of that section last week. It's the longest section and the most detailed passage in the Bible related to the roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives in the marriage relationship. Uh, so it's, um, you know, don't you feel like that you know, so many of the needs that are happening in our nation, uh, you know, maybe not so much focused on the church, but in the world around us is absent fathers. Um, you know, in the, even this whole um, racial involvement that we're in and injustice and all that, so much of that could be impacted by fathers. Uh, with, and so all of us, um, we're, we're trying to learn and to understand. You know, what I want you to know today is I... Uh, I really love Jesus. Uh, the music today was uplifting, encouraging. Uh, I love you. I'm really grateful to be able to serve together with you and uh, to worship with you, whether online or uh, in person here today. Uh, I really love our men here. Um, you know, I do a men's Bible study every week. We, uh, we have man church. Uh, we are uh, involved because we really care about the life of men uh, here in our church. So what we're talking about today is really kind of a hard lesson. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty profound uh, word that is spoken to us, but I hope that you will receive it in love because uh, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself today uh, as well. So uh, we looked at women and wives uh, in your submission uh, to your husbands, talked about what that meant uh, last week, and then we hear uh, the the Bible teaching us about uh, men. Now, when he's talking to, to us, men and women, wives and husbands, he is reminding us that husbands are not called to rule or dominate or even lead their wives uh, in, a, in a strong way, but to love them. You know, the leadership of the husband flows out of a spirit-filled relationship with God. And that's the context of what we've been talking about, that what God is asking us to do in our marriages is really only possible because of our being spirit-filled uh, with him. So the first thing that we notice is that he offers us this command, repeats it multiple times, love your wives. 
Love your wives. It's a command for married men. Men, you are to love your wives. Now, if I asked, I'm sure if I asked for a show of hands this morning, most of the men would say, yeah, I love her. Well, maybe, how do you love her? Maybe you would say, well, I tell her and I spend time with her and I care for her. And all those things are good. All those things are, um, are accurate there. But when you, when you look at this passage here, you have to think about what, is, what, is, what kind of love is God talking about here? Maybe you're familiar. Sometimes we, we have an awareness of Greek words that were in the original translation. And one of the most common one that people know is the word agape. Agape, it doesn't just mean love. Um, there were multiple other words that he could love when he said, love your wives. But he's saying, love them unconditionally. That there's unconditional uh, love for our wives. That means if your wife chooses not to submit to you, even though she's supposed to, then you love her anyway. I didn't think I'd get any amens for that, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> What that's describing, though, is that there is no condition that is set up that allows you to be able to, to lay aside that responsibility of love. You know, we, we hear it in, a, in the vows or in the marriage ceremony maybe that you were part of. Traditionally, it says, I take you to be my wedded wife to have and to hold from this day forward for better, or for worse, for richer, or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death we part. In other words, no matter what happens, the good and the bad, you promise to love your wife. And those vows are a, a statement of unconditional love. But we let conditions kind of slip in sometimes. Um, well, if I would love her if, uh, if she lost a little weight. Or I would love her if she didn't nag me so bad. I would love her uh, if, you know, cooked a little better. Or if she let me go fishing and hunting whenever I wanted to go. I heard about this couple one time that they were talking about getting married and... Um, they couldn't decide if they wanted to or not. So they finally decided that they would get married. And here was their reasoning. Well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce. You know, when I heard that, I thought, I wonder what their vows are going to sound like. I mean, if they're honest, the vows might go like this. I promise to have and to hold until I want to have and to hold somebody else. For better, but if you get worse, we're done. For richer, but don't spend all my money. In sickness, as long as you don't complain too much, and it's only a cold or a light fever. To love and to cherish until I don't feel like it anymore, until divorce do us part. See, that's sad. We don't laugh about that because we know that that is a part of the, the culture that we live in. But the love God commands for the husband to have for the wife is not love that goes on just on the basis of feelings. It has no conditions, not even the condition of feeling like it. Love is an act of the will, agape love. It's unconditional. It's a decision. It's a choice, even when I don't feel like it. Now, emotional love, feeling love, romantic love, man, those are wonderful. Those are great. But I'm not just called to love when everything is going great. I'm called to love, agape love, unconditional love. Uh, this kind of love 
It's not only unconditional love, but godly love. This is the kind of love that God demonstrates. 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So he instituted the whole idea, the process. He loved us while we were still sinners. God chose as an act of his will to love what was at one time unlovable. That would apply to me. How about you? He loved us. Uh, a godly love, unconditional love, godly love. How about this? This kind of love is risky love, risky love. Godly love is unconditional, but it's also risky. If you place no conditions on the object of your love, uh, you, you might get yourself in trouble because it's a risk. Uh, they might not choose to love you back. You know, this is what happened with God. We know John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son but that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you know that 3 verses after that it says men love darkness rather than light. In other words, they didn't return God's love. Unconditional love, godly love can be can be very risky love because there are no guarantees that we're going to be loved back. C.S. Lewis, when he was writing about this, he's a devotional writer. He wrote, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart possibly will be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must not give your heart to, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. Boy, that's clear, and that's quite a picture. Now, he's talking about husbands loving your wives, not understanding this unconditional, godly, risky love sometimes of what gets us in trouble. Uh, I did a little chart there for you to talk about risk and reward. You know, low risk and low reward is how most people live their lives, kind of just surviving. Low risk, low reward. Uh, that's where we spend most of our time. But you can also have high risk and low reward. You know, that's the kind of stuff that gets you in trouble. Uh, something that's high risk but low reward, like gambling. You know, gambling is a high risk and a low reward and can end up in destruction and bankruptcy. Uh, the third one is low risk, high reward. Uh, this is a good one. You know, it's like a, an opportunity that you have. The best one I could think of is salvation. Low risk, high reward. You know, there's not much risk in loving Jesus, but you get the reward of following him and living eternity in heaven. That's pretty good. Low risk, high reward. Marriage, though, is high risk, high reward. High risk, high reward. It's, it's risky to put your heart on the line with somebody else, to initiate a relationship not knowing if the other person is going to give of themselves the same way or chew you up and spit you out. But that's love. It's risky. But if it works out, there is no greater reward. I've, through ministry and through my own life, have noticed there's not much earthly relationship better than a great marriage. And there's not much more difficult than a bad one. Uh, we, 
learn from this kind of love that he shows to us, the kind of loves that husbands are to have for their wives. Um, you know, remember that this section starts off talking about being filled with the Spirit. So we're still talking about that. He's saying the, the way that you can be the husband or the wife that God intends for you to be is to be filled with the Spirit on a regular basis, a daily basis, following the things of God. You know that the fruit of the Spirit, the very first one, the main one at the beginning is love. That's the example that God is giving to us. So he says, love your wives. Number two, Christ's love for the church is a model for us. He says, just as Christ also loved the church. The word just as there is, it means exactly like or in the same way. So when it comes to how husbands love their wives, our model, our example is Jesus Christ and his love uh, for the church. This gentleman one time um, was really trying to serve God and to be faithful to him. And he was a little scared that he loved his wife too much and that she would be like an idol before him. He went and talked to his pastor. Pastor brought him to this scripture. And he said, do you think that Christ loves the church too much? No, I don't think so. Do you think that you love your wife as much as Christ loves the church? Probably not, Pastor. Then he said, you need to love your wife more, not less. Then, you, you, I mean, you haven't loved your wife as much as you should until you have loved her the way Christ loves the church. No standing ovation for that one either. So, okay. <laughs> That's the way it is for men. Your role in marriage is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, and so our problem is not that we love our wives too much, but that we need to love them even more. Uh, this this all-encompassing, unconditional love that Christ demonstrates for us. So what are some characteristics of this love that Christ demonstrates? First, his love for us is sacrificial. Sacrificial. He says, Christ gave himself for her. You know, when Christ came, he could have brought a lot of gifts, a lot of things for us. He could have filled your bank account or your driveway or your house, but he didn't do those things. Why? Because he knew there was something better. He wanted you to have him. He gave himself to you, sacrificed himself. Christ knew that it was better and more valuable to give himself to us than to give us other things. And as men, I would say the same is true of our wives. More than just the nice house or car or salary or whatever we offer, uh, your family wants you. Support, love, encouragement, presence, talking, spending time with them, giving ourselves to them. Christ gave himself. I give myself. Um, being there for them. That's how far Christ was willing to go for you for his church, for believers. He gave himself. He lived a life as a servant to all. And at the end of his life, he suffered and he died on the cross for all of us. And he now intercedes on our behalf. Christ went from the highest of heights to the lowest depth on our behalf. He gave up power and prestige. And that's what he's calling us to do. As Christ gave himself up for us, we give up ourselves for our wives. Does, does something need to change in your relationships with your spouse, in your understanding of marriage uh, that would allow you to give of yourself so freely? Christ experienced agony and suffering on the cross in our place. You know, we forget it was either us or him. 
one or the other. And he gave himself for us. As men, we should also give of ourselves to our wives to protect them, to stand up for them, to defend them, to be willing to lay our lives down if necessary. That's what Christ did for us, and he's the example. So men, whether or not you realize that you already agreed to this. Most of us, when we got married, we said, I do, I will. You know, when you said, I do, there was no more you. It was we and us, not me. A lot of times I've heard this joke that men in joking will say when they got married, their real life ended. Well, biblically, that's no joke. That's the way it should be. Marital love claims everything for the other. Marriage is a call to give of ourselves. Uh, and a man who does not give of himself to his wife does not come close to the love to we, that we are called to offer to them by Christ's example. When you love your wife Christ, as Christ loves the church, it means that you are looking out for her needs, her interests. You care for her even beyond what you care for yourself. And you make her the top priority. There's a story of a king, his name was Cyrus, king of Persia. And in the midst of a battle, a prince, a young man as a prince had been captured. The young man's life was in jeopardy and the king has a conversation with him and says to the prince, what will you give me if I release you? The prince says, half my wealth. Well, what if I release your children? The king asked, everything that I possess would be yours. One more time, the king Cyrus, he says, and what will you give me if I release your wife? Without hesitation, the young groom said, uh, I give you myself. Later when they were talking, this man and his wife, um, Cyrus was so impressed by his devotion to his wife, he let them all go. And as they were talking later, he asked his wife, did you notice how handsome this king was, King Cyrus? And she says, no, I didn't even notice. I only had eyes for you, the one who is willing to sacrifice everything for me. No husband can truly say he loves his wife until he's willing to sacrifice. Men, are we willing to make sacrifices as is demonstrated in the scripture here. It's what Christ did for us and it's what we are called to do uh, for our wives. All right, as we're walking through these points today, uh, the first one was sacrificial. I thought I'd give you some practical tips for marriage. Um, so this is not just a theological sermon about what you should do or not just telling you how oh, to love your wives. How about some practical examples? So here, here's the first, uh, 12 words that will help your marriage be better and to work. 12 words. The words are, I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I love you. Those are 12 pretty good words. You want, to, you want to practice? I know you do. So, okay, I'll say it and then you say it, all right? Ready? I am sorry. sorry. Oh, that was good. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I love you. See, those are beautiful words to help us. You know, we, we, it seems like it's so difficult to accomplish what the Bible's calling us to do, but it's really very simple. Very simple in our love for each other. So sacrifice was the first. Uh, 
the second thing I have you notice, the characteristic of the love of Christ is a sanctifying love. Sanctifying love. Um, notice here, he says that you might sanctify and cleanse her. Sanctify and cleanse her. So he's giving us uh, a lot of different language here that we can apply. Looking at, you know, the word sanctify, that's a good church word. Um, it basically means to make something holy, uh, to, to encourage it toward purity. So to be holy means to set something apart, to be cleansed, to be purified. Um, and that's, what, that's the context here. So you see the words like make her holy cleansing or washing with water through the word. Present her as a radiant church, holy and blameless. Those are the ideas that describe the sanctifying work of God for his church. So that's what we're called to do. We're called to help our, our wives to be pure, to be righteous, to be holy. Is that the desire that you have for your wife to make her holy? Um, some, somebody might say, well, it'd be easy if I had the right woman. Well, I want to tell you something. You have the right woman. Christ doesn't come to us and offer us eternal life on the basis of our background. Or how we've, how we've responded uh, in, to the sinful things in our life. He doesn't wait for you to make things right for him to come and to die for you and accept you. He loves you when you were at your worst. He loved you when you were completely unlovable. Paul says, what does it matter? Love your wife. Help her to be holy and righteous and pure. Do we help our wives be closer to God? closer to Christ or further away from them. That's our goal as far as our wife is concerned. He talks about uh, being washed and encouraging and making right and cleansing. Um, so he's encouraging us. You know, we, we get it all backwards. Well, I would love her more if she changed and did this or that. God says, no, you love her more and maybe the change will come about. You know, I love that. Uh, I love that idea of being loved into obedience. That's the way Christ is. If we truly understand how much he loves us and gave himself for us and has our best interest in mind, we will do whatever he wants us to do. So what, what if Christ treated us the way that we treat our wives? What if he took one look at us as sinful human beings and said, Oh, you're not good enough for salvation. Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you do a little better? Why don't you serve me better? Why don't you read your Bible, pray more, go to church more? Why don't you get rid of all those disgusting habits that you have? If I'm going to love you, that's what you have to do. I mean, Jesus could have said that, but he doesn't say anything. He says, I love you now. I love you even though you've messed up. I love you and I want to spend time with you. It'd be horrible if he treated us the way that sometimes we treat each other. He never comes and overrides your will. He doesn't threaten or pressure us into obeying. He loves us into a relationship. He loves us into obedience. And he pours out so much love on us that, that how, could, how could you miss it? He loves us toward obe obedience. And that's what sanctification is. It's for realizing what he has so powerfully done for us that now I give of myself completely uh, to him. As we see how much he loves us, 
as we see how much he cares for us, we want to change and we want uh, to love our spouses in the same way. So the same principle is applied to marriage. You know, if you've uh, recognized that maybe things haven't been going as well or you've fallen out of love, you know, Revelation 2.4 talks about this. Jesus tells Christians who have lost their first love to go back and do the things that you did when you first fell in love, to do the things that you did when you were falling in love with Jesus. He says, if you've lost your first love, start doing some of the things that you had done before. He said, hey, if you've lost that loving feeling, here's what you do. Remember how great it was when you fell in love. Remember when you first came to know Christ. Remember the excitement and the joy. See, can't you see him applying that to marriages? If you don't have the love that you once had, you go back and you do the things that you first did when you, were, when you were in love, reviving that love in your marriage, taking walks together, uh, holding hands, uh, going out to dinner, having long talks about nothing. Uh, now, you, you remember how it was when you first fell in love? The Bible says, start doing those things again. Whether you feel like it or not, as you do those things, those feelings that you felt back then will follow. So in Ephesians 5, husbands are to love your wives, to love them as Christ loved the church. So another practical tip. Uh, all of these start with the letter P. Uh, four ways to show love. Uh, as a husband, uh, you can provide, providing. Money, house, food. Many times we work together to accomplish the needs of a household. Uh, protecting. Uh, not too long ago, Kim had to, uh, was going to make this difficult phone call, and I knew she hated it to do it, and so I said, well, I'll do it for you. Uh, and she said, thank you for doing that. I know that was, that was just a loving response. Not, not complaining about her. Not def but defending her name and her reputation as a wife and a mother and as a woman. Uh, how about this P, passion. Uh, going on dates, uh, having uh, interest in her, uh, offering affection. Uh, many times I just say you need a little more heat. Uh, you know what I mean by that. You need some heat uh, in that relationship. Uh, Practical things like doing things around the house, things that you can do to make things better for her. Uh, all these ways of responding that we can, uh, in practical ways, show love to our, to our wife, to our spouse. Uh, number three, uh, the third thing that he describes here as character is uh, that the love is satisfying. Satisfying. Uh, here he talks about not just in a redemptive way through the cross. He says in a creation way. Look at how you care for your own body. Care for her in that same way. You are one flesh having been brought together. Husbands, how are you doing at nourishing your wife and physically taking care of her the same way that you take care of your own body? I'm pretty sure when you leave here, you'll be looking for food. You'll be looking for something to nourish yourself. Well, as you take care of yourself, so too take care of your wife. That doesn't mean buy her lunch. That means that you are one together taking care of her uh, in your life. 
He says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. So he's encouraging us, reminding us. Uh, first, the model was as Christ loved the church. Now, as we love our own bodies. So he's giving us such an encouragement, practical ways that we can live out uh, this relationship with them. So we need to protect them as we protect our own bodies. We need to be alert to dangers and to be skilled enough in understanding what's going on to diffuse difficulties as well as to be a spiritual leader uh, in, the, in the life of, of our wives. Um, that's what God has called us to do. That's what he has challenged us uh, to value them in such a way. Now, so, some final practical steps. Um, Verbally communicate your love to her. Frequently tell her you love her. The words I love you should be commonly heard words around your house. I heard about this um, German um, study that they did. And they found out that men who kissed their wives in the morning before they went to work lived five and a half years longer than those that did and made 20% more money. Hey guys, there's a lot at stake here. We gotta get with it, right? So that verbal expression of love, uh, satisfying her needs, whether they're physical, emotional, intellectual, social, recreational, sexual, or spiritual, satisfying her needs, even in helping out uh, around the house there. Uh, sacrifice your time with her. Hear her and value what she has to say. Let her share your life. Tell about your struggles, your hopes, your dreams. Number four, demonstrate to her that apart from your relationship with Jesus Christ, she has first place. Show her that she comes before business, children, parents, friends, house, hobbies, and even uh, recreation. And be tender, respectful, courteous with her. Don't make jokes or cutting remarks about her. Don't correct her in a public way that will make her look foolish. Always speak to her and treat her in a courteous way. Treat her as if she's the valuable jewel rather than a garbage can. See, some of this stuff shows up when I, I get the opportunity to do counseling with couples and preparation, but um, it's so important that we talk to our sons, that we talk to our grandsons, that we have opportunity, whoever it is, that God gives us an opportunity to influence. You need to know what God says about marriage for wives and for husbands. Model that in your marriage, but also mentor and teach and encourage uh, young men. There were some young men in the service at 9 o'clock, and I told them I was doing them a big favor <laughs> right now. Uh, some of the things that they could put into practice to help their marriage. To work. How, how are we doing Men, how are we doing in our relationships with our wives? As, as men love our, as we love our wives, as Christ loves the church, we will not only be helping our wives become who God wants them to be, allowing them to flourish and to grow, but we'll also be helping ourselves become more who God wants us to be as leaders in our homes. These are very worthy goals for us and nothing should keep us from it. He finishes this section of scripture uh, talking about oneness, love, and respect. Oneness. You know, that's what God calls us to. He says that when we marry together, that we become one. 
Many times in weddings, I will uh, talk about God's, uh, the way that God deals with math. Do you know that God cares about math? See, you would say one plus one equals two. And that one plus one plus one would equal three. But in marriage, that's not how math works. In marriage, one man and one woman united together, one plus one equals one. That's God's math. Also, if you bring Christ into the marriage, one man, one woman, one savior, Jesus Christ, one plus one plus one equals one. What great math. He's all about the commitment to oneness. Our motivation is Christ and the church and husbands are called to love your wives and wives to respect your husband. As we finish today, Kim's going to come and join me. Kim and I married very young. 1982, that was a long time ago. 38 years ago. And I would say, um, you know, there are no perfect marriages. You know, you have things to work through. Um, we, we certainly have and all the different challenges with ministry and our children and all the different ways that God has helped us. But we've been married for 38 years and I would say it's been pretty great. So would you say that... Uh, I said, I wrote it. I'm going to read what I wrote. You are my sweetheart. Would you still take me to be your husband if you could choose today? Absolutely. Thank you. And the question to you is, would you still choose me to be your wife if you could? No doubt about it. Absolutely. I love you. you. Do something about your marriage. If you're married, you're married watching today, um, do something about it. Take some steps. Um, Talk together, maybe this afternoon. Uh, Talk about what you could do. Maybe don't be be defensive and don't be offended. Uh, You know, we're we're talking about things, but sometimes we need need good advice uh, from each other about how we can do better. Uh, You know, I'm I'm intending to be married uh, to the end of my life. And I'm thankful for that, but I need to keep working on it, to keep having conversations together. And uh, we, have, we have a good marriage, and I'm grateful for it. But God will help you with yours. God will work in your life. He didn't put all this stuff in the Bible just so you could read it and feel guilty. He put it in there so you could be motivated to do something about your marriage or to influence some others about marriage in your life. For every opportunity that you have to stand for godly, agape marriage. Could we pray for your marriage, for the people that you know that are married, for the people in your life that you might be able to influence? Could you join Kim and I as we pray? Heavenly Father, um, sure quiet in here today. <laughs> it's hard, Lord, for us to hear some of these things. And, but, Lord, I just want to tell you my desire is to be the best husband I can be. And I've wanted that since day one. And I thank you for helping me with that and um, help me to continue to do better, Lord. Bless our conversations even over lunch today. And I pray that you would strengthen me and Kim. Lord, I pray that for every marriage 
that is represented in our church, those that were in our services today or watched online. And I pray even for those that weren't able to, to be a part today, that maybe we go back and listen to these messages and listen to these scriptures. Lord, we, I pray for every marriage right now, that Lord, if it's, if it's good, if it's really going well, thank you for that. Help them to talk about that and appreciate each other. If there are struggles, Lord, if it just doesn't seem to be going quite right, Lord, I pray that you would so fill them with your spirit, that they'd be able to have the kind of conversations that would be so helpful, so meaningful. And I pray that you would help our men to take the lead, to take the lead and to be a spiritual leader and to, uh, to ask, what did, you, what did you think about the sermon today? What do you think about our marriage? You know, this is how I feel about where we are and what I hope for for our future. How could, how could I be a better husband? Lord, give us courage to have those kind of conversations. Would you bless all of our men, especially our young men, who are making decisions about getting married or maybe one day will find a young lady that they want to marry? Lord, I pray that our young men would decide in their mind not just to listen to the culture, but to listen to the Word of God and to be godly men in their marriage. Lord, I believe that's a way to change our country, to change our world, is for men to rise up, not as politicians or complainers, or just, but to be godly men living out this call to love our wives, to love our families, and to be the men that you called us to be. Thank you, Lord, for what you've spoken to us today through your word. We give you praise, and we thank you together. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Thank you.